Welcome back. On the last lesson, which was Old Testament Overview Lesson 14, we skipped the review and picked up with the new material. I have been in contact with Pastor Merritt, and he agrees, due to the nature of the Internet, where you can get lesson after lesson after lesson, back to back to back, versus getting the word once a week or twice a week, we are going to just skip the lessons, uh, review, and move on with new material, at least for the time being. Today, we will be looking at Lesson 15 of Pastor Merritt's Old Testament Overview. And if you're following along with the outline, we will be about three-quarters of the way down page 5, Above that is the review, and we will start at point 10. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John, as may or may not be necessary. Old Testament Overview, Lesson 15, Point 10. The vast majority of the nearly one million species of today are marine creatures which could have survived outside the ark. A leading systematic taxonomist, Ernest Mayer, lists 17,600 species of mammals, birds, reptiles, and amphibians. Point 11. So we may assume that there were probably not more than 35,000 individual vertebrate animals in the ark, the average size being that of a sheep. Point 12. Since a standard two-deck railroad stock car with an effective capacity of 2,670 cubic feet can carry about 240 sheep, only 146 stock cars would be needed to carry 35,000 animals of this average size. Point 13. But the ark had a carrying capacity equivalent to that of 522 stock cars. So it is clear that it was entirely adequate for its God intended purpose. Point 14. When fully laden with its cargo, Genesis chapter 6, verse 21, the ark sank into the water about 15 cubits, 20 feet, or one half its height. Genesis chapter 6, verse 21, you are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. Point 15, this seems to be the implication of Genesis chapter 7, verse 20, 15 cubits, 20 feet, upward did the waters prevail. For if the flood had not covered the mountains by at least 15 cubits, the ark could not have floated over them. Genesis chapter 7 verse 20. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. Point 16. On the same day, that the waters began to assuage exactly 150 days 
after the flood began. The ark rested on one of the highest peaks of a certain mountain range called Ararat. Genesis 8, verses 3 and 4 may read, The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the hundred and fifty days, the water had gone down. And on the seventeenth day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Point 17. We know from other parts of the Bible that the dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit was said to have descended on our Lord at his baptism, like as a dove. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And, lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And, lo, a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Genesis chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. And he sent forth a raven, which went forth to and fro, until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him, to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. Point 18. Perhaps, then we are justified in looking upon the raven as representing the man of the flesh who goes out into the judged world, seemingly satisfied with what he finds there. The dove kept returning to the ark for its food until the time was perfect. Genesis chapter 8, verse 9 through 14. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned upon him into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand, and took her, and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening, and, lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. And it came to pass in the six hundredth and first year, and the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked. And, behold, the face of the ground was dry. By the twenty-seventh day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Point 19. Then God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth. Genesis chapter 8, verse 15 and 16. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and their wives. Point 20. Not until he had orders from God did Noah move. He did not follow the counsel of his intelligence. Though the absence of the dove 
might have caused him to act prematurely. Point 21. He knew that the ark had grounded, but he did not follow his natural curiosity. He waited on God. The Lord's timing is perfect. He is never before his time, and he is never late. His appointments are certain. Genesis chapter 8, verse 17 through 19. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee, of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful, and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their kinds, went forth out of the ark. Point 22. The Noah built an altar because he knew a sacrifice of blood was required. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Point 23. Once more, the scarlet cord is seen in the scripture. Blood had to be shed. The world had been judged. But God, and perhaps Noah, knew the evil nature of Adam had gone into the ark, and that the same evil nature had come out of the ark. Point 24. Fellowship with God must be maintained by the constant reminder of the creature's sinfulness and the substitute's death for that sin. Point 25. Now we see why seven of the clean beasts were taken into the ark. Life in the new world has to be based on faith in the substitutionary atonement. Blood was to be shed. Point 26. There was only one way to God. Just as today, there is only one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. The Lord smelled a sweet Savior. The blood sacrifice being symbolic of a Christ who was slain before the creation of all that was and is. Genesis 8:21 And the Lord smelled a sweet savior. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living, as I have done. Point 27. The altar had been built to Jehovah, and it is Jehovah who accepts the sacrifice. The faith and obedience of Noah in understanding and performing that which was the symbol of that which was to come was pleasing to God. Point 28. In this simple act of teaching liturgy, Noah was providing generations to come a pageant later to be further defined and explained by Moses during the exodus from Egypt. Point 29. 
The Lord was not looking upon the actual altar and sacrifices, but upon Calvary when the Lord Jesus Christ would take care of the sin problem. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. He knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Point 30. It is Christ and only Christ who is acceptable to God, and our acceptance is in him. He knew no sin would become sin for us, and that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews Chapter 10, verses 4 through 10. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I came, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when, he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the whom we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Point 31. There could be no change in the sinful nature of man. Point 32. If God had cursed the ground every time man sinned, there would have been a continuing curse flowing like a river. 33. This, too, illustrates the fact that Christ, having died for sin once, dies no more. And it demonstrates that Christ, having paid our debt, not even God can seek to collect it a second time from us. 34. Legalists often crucify the Son of God afresh making mockery of his so great salvation. Such would later be the error of many Jews in Jerusalem who returned to the temple offering sacrifices for sin and thus denying what Jesus did for sin. 34.1 Weist translates Hebrews 6.6 6, And have fallen away again to renew to repentance crucifying the Son of God afresh and putting him to open shame. 34.2 Weist writes, The Hebrews were breaking their contract with God, the Holy Spirit. The Hebrews cannot be brought back to repentance and fellowship should they return to the sacrifice system. 35. Since there is no temple today, we cannot exactly replicate the sin, however. 
Such error often takes the form of doubting one's salvation because of sin and or evil. Christians often become shocked at their conduct and thus panic. 36. The shock and awe of their conduct causes them to return to the cross where they really believe. A very common error when the protocol of rebound is rejected. 37. He died once, for all, and forever. Judgment cannot break out twice against the same transgressions. It is finished. John chapter 19 verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So long as the earth remains, i.e., up and until it is destroyed by fire, the natural order of things will continue. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. 38. The unchanging round of the seasons is now set in motion by God. A set of predictable and unvarying laws are established. 39. God set a sign in the heavens, most likely a rainbow, as a reminder that he would not again destroy the earth with a flood. The psalmist reiterated the promise in Psalms 104 verses 5 through 9, and it reads, He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys, to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. Point 40. Concerning the subsequent history of the ark, Scripture is silent. In spite of rumors to the contrary, it is doubtful its remains will ever be discovered. 41. Sufficient for the Christian is the testimony of God's word that such a structure once existed and that for more than a year it served as the only refuge for the human race and air-breathing animals. 42. Since World War II, several expeditions have explored the mountains of Ararat, looking for Noah's Ark. Their efforts have frequently been hampered by Soviet suspicion that continued activity near the Russian border involves spying. 43. A large wooden structure has been found encased in ice on Mount Ararat. Wood samples taken from the site have been tested by the carbon-14 method of dating, but interpretations of the result conflicted with one another. 44. Much further investigation of the area will evidently be required. Now let's take a quick trip through Genesis chapter 9. Point 1. God is said to have blessed Noah and his sons, and they were told to be fruitful 
multiply and replenish the earth. Genesis chapter 9 verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Point two. As Adam had been the head of the race in its first beginning, Noah is now the head of the race in its new beginning. This new start is marked by blessing from the first moment. Point three. God's holiness and hatred of sin had been manifested in his judgment upon the sin of the world. And all was now moving under sovereign grace. God is with them in their new beginning and his presence is blessing. 3.1 The God who said, come into the ark, as Genesis chapter 7 verse 1, not go into the ark, and who went with them through the waters of judgment will be with them in the new life that now begins. Genesis 7 1 And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou, and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Point four. Again, God gives the command for fruitfulness. This does not refer merely to the reproduction of the species, but to fruitfulness in every good work before God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 reads, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Point five. Man is not here on earth to live according to his whim, but to live in accordance with God's plan. To be blessed by God is to be doubly responsible before him. To obey the exhortation, to be fruitful is to know the power of his blessing. Point six. In Genesis chapter 9 verse 2, we find an interesting restructuring of the relationship of man with animals. And it reads, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. Point seven, God had given to Adam dominion over all the animal creation, but man had fallen. Now God assures Noah of his safety and his power by putting fear and the dread of man into the heart of the brute creation. Point eight. Sin was leaving a deeper and darker mark, but the grace of God was rising higher and higher. If we compare this passage with Genesis chapter 1 verse 29, it would seem that man was a vegetarian before the flood and that now meat enters his diet by the command of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, and the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, 
To you it shall be for meat. Point nine. Now we have the first of many mentionings of blood, a subject fraught with misinterpretation. Genesis chapter 9, verse 3 and 4. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all things, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. Point 10. Here is the first indication in Scripture of the nature of the blood and the foreshadowing of the atonement. Point 11. Blood was shed when the first pair were given garments of skins. But now God gives the revelation which will be more fully expressed in the law. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your soul. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Leviticus chapter 17, 11, it reads, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Point 12. Barnhouse writes, God wants man to see death in animals and to live by feeding upon death, as a constant reminder that we live and move and have our being through his death. Point 13. I think next lesson will be a good time to study the very controversial doctrine of the blood. And that concludes lesson 15. Again, we thank you for being here and listening along. encourage you to go to westbankbiblechurch.com and look at the outlines there of the Old Testament overview. Before we close, remember, anyone without Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's all it takes, and thou shalt be saved. So long.